0: Um So maybe we read the text in between last week and this week, and maybe we didn't, if you did. Wow. If not, cool. That's great. I, w- I do want to just say that the text in between last week and this week um, is maybe a, a little bit more um, palatable than what're what we're going to discover today, okay? <laughs> um, I think we've got some real work before us, if you will. Thanks, Joel. Uh, as we continue looking at Jesus as wisdom and as teacher and how his teaching informs our identity and the rhythm of our lives, okay? So, so I say all that um, to really say, brace yourselves, okay? <laughs> as I shared last week, the Queer Bible Commentary notes that the Mathian community is largely made up of marginalized people, and one is able to see Jesus' remarks concerning th- what the law says in a new light as a way of telling the marginalized of his own day and then the audience of Matthew's day that the normative way of interpreting God's commands is not the only way, okay? This is the good news, that wisdom that Jesus still reveals to us today, reorienting us to the good road and inviting us into new rhythms of being, Our text for today is Matthew chapter 5 verses 43 through 48, which means, of course, we are still in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is sharing wisdom, teaching the people how to see Creator's good road, and beginning to make clear that we can't see it through the normative patterns or the rhythms that we're used to. As I mentioned, we've clearly skipped some of the text in between, and those texts happen to follow the formula, you have heard it said, but I say to you. Last week, we uh, covered murder and anger, also fun, Uh, but that means we have skipped uh, adultery and lust, divorce or honoring women, oath-taking, and retaliation, and today we are going to focus on enemies, to which some of you are like, "Nope, nope, 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 Now, I recognize that what I'm going to ask us to do today is hard, okay? So I just want to say, if it causes you pain for which you do not have the capacity to face today, I want to encourage you to um, pay attention for your, to your own need for self-care, okay? That means if you need to get up, excuse yourself, walk out, that's fine. If you need to take a moment for yourself in this space and just kind of tune everything out, that's okay too, okay? We will have an opportunity to support one another um, as we engage in some small group conversation here in just a few minutes, okay? That said, as I reflected on today's text, I realized how easy it is to just gloss over these words and not actually connect them to our real lives, So, I would actually like you (laughs) to identify your personal or our communal enemies. Enemies being defined as those who are hostile or display hatred, okay? And I know this sounds strange, and it stirs a bit of some inner conflict, if you will, and emotions, because first of all, we've been taught in the church not to actually identify folks or groups of folks as enemies, because... um, yeah. <laughs> we've just been taught not to do that. And not doing so has been attached probably to some harmful views of forgiveness. But also there's this, this thing about, you know, if we identify enemies, it can lead to this othering, right? That is very counter to what we've come to understand as kingdom living. And so we kind of live in that tension. But I'm going to ask you to actually identify enemies this morning. We do live in a world that is not as it should be, right? And so I'm asking you to do this because we're starting with where we're at and because the wisdom of Jesus can't actually have a reorienting effect if we don't acknowledge real or perceived threats, okay? I also want to say that I notice that for some of us, we've done some really good hard work of creating boundaries. So those who were once enemies may be a bit more removed or held at a distance in our lives, And also, there is the sense of time that kind of reorients us as well, and so who we might once have identified as the enemy maybe is no longer. okay. So I recognize it's a little bit of a struggle, or it might be a bit of a struggle for you. Um, However, if I have learned one thing as a follower of Jesus, it is that to walk the good road is to be continually faced with those who will be hostile or Display hatred, right toward us. So I'm going to ask you to take a moment. You can use the paper in front of you if you would like. You can conjure up some names in your in your head if you would like. Um, identify current enemies. Like I said, they could be personal, or they could be communal. Those who are hostile or display hatred. And if you can, bring a mental image to your mind and picture their face, this will be even better. Okay. I'm going to pause. Gracious God, for some of us, this is quite difficult, not only because it can stir all of the emotions within us that are unsettling but because also there are places where we have been taught not to to see our enemies it might be difficult because maybe we are our own worst enemy It may be someone that we wish were not an enemy. Someone close to home or someone far away. Whatever the case might be this morning, God, I pray that you would allow us to see clearly. And with a posture of grace toward ourselves and in a way that doesn't bring about any shame upon ourselves, but recognizes what is in front of us. Amen. All right, so as today is a little bit of an extension of last week, I'm going to leave most of the reorienting work, if you will, of what Jesus is offering to that shared uh, space later in conversation, okay? I'm going to read our text from the First Nations Version. Um, if you do not have one, you can grab one off the side table, or you can just listen along. Matthew uh, chapter 5, verses 43-43. Through forty-eight, and you know the drill. You can use the paper in front of you, whatever you would like. Okay, to um, pay attention or reflect as I as I read. You have been told to love only your own people and to despise others as your enemy. But I tell you, treat your enemies with love and respect, and send up good prayers for the ones who make trouble for you and bring you pain. This will show that you are mature children of your father from above, who sends his blessing of rain on the ones who do right and the ones who do wrong. If you love and show respect only to the, to the ones who do the same, how does that bring honor to you? Even tribal tax collectors do these things. If you welcome only friends, how are you different from others? Even outsiders from other nations do these things. By loving and blessing all people, you will be walking in the footsteps of your Father from the spirit world above, who is perfect in all his ways. This is the word of the Lord. So let me just share a few comments kind of verse by verse here. Verse 43, the word enemy used here comes from the Greek word Ekthros, meaning hostile, so like an adversary, or one that displays hatred toward you. What's interesting here is that the phrase hate your enemy is not found in the Old Testament or Pharisaic, Rabbinic Judaism, for that matter, as a whole. So while it does not occur explicitly in the Old Testament, it was commonly actually uh, inferred from other passages. And so the, the hearers in Jesus's day and the readers in Matthew's day would not have been surprised by this statement, hate, you've heard it said, hate your enemy, okay? It is the antithesis Jesus gives in the following verses that would have shocked them. The treat your enemies with love and respect and send up good prayers for the ones who make trouble for you and bring you pain. The verse in the NRSV uh, is translated this way, and it's a little bit more word for word, if you will. It says, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. The word for love in the Greek is agapeo, which means to welcome, to be fond of, to love dearly, or maybe my favorite, to treat someone as beloved, to which I think, yikes, yikes. I need to take a deep breath, and I need to confess that no matter how many times I read this passage, like those first hearers, this part still shocks me, right? Because the simple truth is I don't want to. Sometimes I find it impossible to love those who are hostile or display hatred toward me or toward those I understand as kin. Treat your enemies with love and respect and send up good prayers for the ones who make trouble for you and bring you pain. I want to ask us to take just a moment And to note how we feel toward those that we identified earlier as enemies. That we breathe, walk it out, and hear. Verse 44 continues, this will show that you are mature children of your father from above. In other words, that you are like the one from whence you came. I want to note here that the word choice is children. There is a preference given to those who are lowly or unseen in the culture of the day. Being a mature child is about being born of, or as Luke 20 states, those who are born again. And in the words of James Baldwin Know from whence you came. If you know whence you came, there are absolutely no limitations to where you can go. Isn't that the beauty of the good road? Our text continues, Your father from above who sends his blessing of rain on the ones who do right and the ones who do wrong. I think maybe what follows here is more about mirroring love. The blessing of rain or what gives life to all people, to those who do wrong and to those who do not, is indiscriminate. And this is a theme, this is a rhythm repeated from the wisdom shared earlier in this chapter in verse 14. You are a shining light. Light too is indiscriminate. Verse 46, if you love and show respect only to the ones who do the same, how does that bring honor to you? Even tribal tax collectors do these things. We know that tax collectors were not well liked, but let me share just a little bit of detail here about how this actually worked. It was uh, this system, this Roman system of taxation was frequently characterized By tax farming, where an individual would bid to collect taxes from the Roman government throughout an entire district and then add, of course, a surcharge or commission that was often exorbitant, which they kept for themselves as their profit. The tax collectors referred to in the New Testament were generally not the holder of these tax contracts themselves, but hired subordinates who were often local residents. They were your neighbors. Since these tax collectors worked for Rome, even indirectly, they were viewed as traitors among their own people, and they were not well liked, of course. In addition, the system offered many opportunities for dishonesty and greed, both of which were often associated with these local tax collectors. Walking the good road, then, invites us into new rhythms of being, mirroring love to all, even those neighbors or those closest to us who have betrayed us. Now, that doesn't mean we ignore or condone unjust actions or engage with those who are actively harming us. That's not what I'm saying. Sometimes love looks like holding more boundaries, right? In order to maintain honor. Or as our text last week shared, extending life rather than creating hell on earth by moving with death itself. Of course, it's not normative to love or pray for those who make trouble for you or bring you pain. Wisdom, I think, makes clear a road that leads to life. A road that Jesus never claimed was easy. Amen. Verse 47 refers to outsiders from other other nations. This is actually often translated in many other versions, I think every other version I've looked at, as Gentiles. Gentiles. As food for thought, I want to share what Wilda Gaffney points out about this particular part of the text. She says this As is the case for Jesus in Matthew before his transforming encounter with the Canaanite mother, which would have occurred later in chapter 15, his language here about the Gentiles presents them as negative examples in stereotypical terms. This is an opportunity to discuss the ways in which human biases are presented. In the text, She continues by saying, The call to love enemies is also a call to love those from whom we are separated by societal and cultural structures like race, class, and gender. Enemies are just the most extreme example of the radical limitlessness of our love. Which leads then to verse 48, which says, be perfect. Maybe this is the scariest part of this text. (laughs) Nelson Palomare, quoted in the Queer Bible Commentary, says this, To become perfect as God is perfect is to reach the amount of love that will fulfill God's law. The kingdom of God language used here by Jesus is the way life and society would be if a compassionate God were in charge or imitated instead of Roman governors, client kings, and the temple establishment. Yes, wisdom reorients us to the good road that is often counter to the normative patterns we are used to, and inviting us into new rhythms of being. Walking the good road with all of its trials then becomes gauged according to God's love in all of its mystery and beauty as we live into this kingdom, mirroring God who says, You are my beloved, even amongst enemies. The most extreme example of the radical limitlessness of love. As we breathe and walk the good road, may we hear the spirit who continues to whisper today, you have heard it said, but I say, it be so. Amen. We're going to spend a